Good morning, folks. The reading is in this Bible on page 1080. If you are like me and you need large print, it's on page 1695. So, Acts, Book of Acts, chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And, uh, folks, this is a cracker of a reading, so I'd really follow on close. It's, it's fantastic reading. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day the rulers, the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And us, the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then confer together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign. And we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. 
keep your finger in that Acts reading because that's where the uh, sermon is being preached from. But uh, just turn back to page 675 in the smaller Bibles. Does anyone have a page number for the Black Bibles? Anyway, it's Matthew, Matthew 5. 1545? 1505. Thanks. So Matthew 5, <clears throat> picking up at verse 10, which is actually in the middle of um, the Sermon on the Mount, but it will all make sense. Matthew 5, starting at verse 10, going through to 16. This is Jesus speaking. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as you came in, you should have been uh, given or offered at least uh, an outline of the talk, so you might like to grab that if you've got one of those. Um, If not, turn back to Acts chapter 4 and we'll look at God's word together. Let me pray, and then we'll look at the Bible. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in it uh, you speak to us, you reveal yourself to us. Uh, Father, I pray that you'll be with us this, this morning as we, uh, as we open it up. Please help me to speak truly uh, and clearly. We pray, Lord, that you would give us hearts that are humble, um, that are ready for you to speak, uh, and to put into practice the things that we learn. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, today, as, as Lauren said, we're looking at the whole idea of mission under pressure. We're in the middle of a series, uh, which we'll get to. There'll be an exam in a moment. Uh, but before we get there, I want to ask, I'm going to show you four pictures, and I want you to tell me how you feel when you see these four pictures, okay? Uh, here's the first one. This is a picture of, from China from 2016. Um, <clears throat> on those pictures, you may not be able to see very well, but what's happening there is that uh, the crosses are being taken down from the churches in China. Um, there are some churches actually being demolished completely, uh, but a lot of the churches in China are having their crosses taken down because they don't, the Chinese officials don't want uh, it advertised that there's a church there. Uh, interesting. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, what about this one? This is a picture from Sydney um, from, two, from 2017 in the middle of the uh, same-sex marriage debate at Sydney University. Um, a group of uh, Catholic students, I think they were, were standing uh, and having a, a – it was a, a stand to, to say it was okay to vote no. Uh, and as they were there, um, a group of people came and verbally abused them, um, throwing things at them and uh, yelling and swearing at them uh, in the midst of that debate, saying that they were, they were bigots and all sorts of terrible things. Uh, how do you feel about that? Third picture is a picture uh, from Syria from uh, last year. This is a picture of Christians who are fleeing their home um, because they are in danger of their lives. Um, They have to flee, otherwise, because they are Christian, uh, they are likely to be killed. And many of the refugees that um, 
that are actually pouring out of Syria are indeed Christian people um, who, are, who are in fear of their lives. Uh, the final picture comes from a couple of years before that, 2015, <clears throat> a group of Egyptian Coptic Christians um, were captured uh, by a group of Islamic militants uh, and live on the internet were beheaded. Um, how do you feel about those pictures? Um, I don't know how you feel, but to me, uh, it's incredibly saddening, isn't it? Um, and just a little bit scary to think that these things are happening in our world uh, today. These very things are happening to Christians, and they're happening to Christians because they believe in Jesus. I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe uh, you, you, you're starting to feel a little bit of the pressure yourself. Perhaps when you, uh, you read the newspapers or you listen to comedians or, or whatever it might be or talk to your friends, you might feel a sense of a growing opposition to Christianity. How do you react to that? What do you do in the face of this? Well, we're, we're, we're talking about mission at the moment and uh, this is a reality that we need to face and so it's important for us to think through that. Before we get there, let me go, let's go back just very briefly uh, remind ourselves, we've, we've had three talks so far looking at the whole idea of mission, preparing for mission. Uh, can anybody remember where we started? I'll, I'll give you a clue. We've been looking through the book of Acts. And so where would be a good place to start in the book of Acts if you're going through the book of Acts? Chapter 1, good idea. In chapter 1, uh, we saw that we have a mission from God. You may remember Jesus talking to his disciples, saying, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Does that ring a bell, vaguely? Yes, a couple of people nodding shyly. Um, and we saw that that mission is not just a mission for the disciples, it's actually a mission for all of us. This is the mission that we are all on. It's God's mission, but he has sent it. He has given it to us to take the gospel out to the ends of the earth. Okay, the second week, uh, we moved on from chapter 1 to chapter 2. Very good. And we saw at the beginning of chapter 2, some people will know what's at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, we saw that God has given us something for this mission to help us. A Holy Spirit, that's right. Well, you guys are on top on fire this morning. Um, we have the Holy Spirit. That's right. This is God's mission. He, is, he gave the Holy Spirit to his disciples, but not just to them. All Christians, all who believe, have the Holy Spirit in them. Jesus was God with us, Emmanuel. The Holy Spirit is God in us. And so as we go forward in the mission, we don't go alone. We know that God is with us. So we saw that God has given us a mission God has given us the power, the Holy Spirit, but he's also given us something else that we saw last week. I'll forgive you for getting this because this is David preaching on this one. Not really. What was it we looked at last week? I'll give you a clue. It's at the end of chapter 2. End of chapter 2. If those of you have got a Bible in front of you, you can cheat if you like. Sorry? Well, he gave us a commission in chapter 1. He's given us something else that we actually really need for the mission. Oh, you guys are hopeless. He's given us each other. Remember last week we were looking at the church at the end of chapter 2? Does anybody remember that? Yes? Yes? Okay. I wasn't the only one here. There were other people here. Uh, God has given us, and so we saw that picture of the early church, remember? How they devoted themselves um, to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, uh, and to breaking the bread and so on. Okay? God has given us each other. And so, yes, we have this mission, 
but we, all, we also have some of the power to give it. We have the Holy Spirit in us and we have each other. Now, we're going to, need, we're going to come back to those things because this is, it's going to, these are really, going to be really important for what we're looking at today, the whole idea of the, the mission under pressure. So if, what we're going to do is we're going to skip forward a couple of chapters to chapter 4, the passage that Clem read for us. Not, not Clem, um, who read the first passage? Mark, sorry. Mark read for us from Acts chapter 4. See, I can't remember, so I have to forgive you. Um, Acts chapter 4. Actually, the story starts in Acts chapter 3. It is a cracking story, but Acts chapter 3 is just as good. So if we, sorry, we apologise for missing over that. Uh, but in Acts chapter 3, uh, we see uh, Peter and John are going to the temple. In chapter 2, we're told that they go there daily to pray, and they're going there to pray. And for, for those of you who were in Sunday school in about my area, 80s, 90s, that kind of time, 70s, 80s, 90s, there's a song about what happened to them. Um, it's called Silver and Gold. And it starts off, Peter and John went to pray. Yeah, Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. So they went to pray at the temple. They met a lame man on the way. And he held out his, uh, his palms, his hands, asking for, for money. Uh, and this is what they said to him. What did they say to him? Silver and gold have I none. Such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Um, so if you, if you don't know that song, you've missed out. But you can, I'm sure Clem will teach it to you afterwards if you really want to know. Um, Peter and John go to the temple to pray. And uh, as they, they go there, they meet a man who's crippled. He's not able to walk. Uh, and it seems he's been like that for some time. He's, he's back there asking for money. They don't have any money, but they say, well, we've got something much better. And so they say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And so the man went walking and leaping and praising God. That's right. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Uh, understandably, because much better than, uh, than money, he's now able to get up and walk around. Uh, you can understand how excited he was, but not just him, all the people who saw it, because it's right on the temple steps. It's like doing it, um, if you've ever been to town hall steps, you know, um, you go there about five or six o'clock in the evening, it's just covered with people. It's people going in and out and going past and up and down George Street. Peter and John are there. And all these people see this great miracle. This man who has been, they would have walked past him day after day, day after day. Now he's up walking and praising God, telling the amazing things they've done. So Peter takes the opportunity to start talking about Jesus. Rather than taking the credit for himself, he says, it's the name of Jesus that has healed this man. And he goes on to talk about how, uh, how they actually, he reminds them of what's happened not long ago, that Jesus was put to death, hung on a cross, but came back to life again. And if they put their trust in him, they too can have eternal life. It's a great story. But this passage we have was in chapter 4. It's kind of the, the, uh, the second part of that story because... Um, of course, Peter and John outside the temple, they're really excited. Everybody's excited. But the religious leaders are not so excited because they're talking about Jesus. And so they grab hold of Peter and John and say, you've got, to stop talk- you've got to stop doing this. They drag him in. They just chuck him in jail because what else do you do? You chuck him in jail overnight. And then the next morning, they drag Peter and John uh, before the religious leaders. And before we actually think about what happens there, it's, it's worth thinking about um, who's there. Annas. And Caiaphas. Um, some of you will recognise those names uh, from the Gospels. 
In fact, in uh, John chapter 11, Caiaphas is the one who says, uh, it is better for one man to die than for the whole nation to perish. Caiaphas was the high, high priest at that time. It seems that Annas, it's a bit hard to tell who's the actual high priest. I think it's a bit like um, uh, archbishops in our world, in our, in our day and age. When somebody's an archbishop, you're always an archbishop. So if Peter Jensen walks in, he's still, the, he's still an archbishop, even though he's not the archbishop of Sydney. So Annas is a, is a high priest. Caiaphas is a high priest. They're the bigwigs. They're the top dogs uh, in, the Jewish, uh, in, the, in the temple. And, that's, and Peter and John are standing before these two. Annas and Caiaphas were the two people in John chapter 18 who interrogated Jesus and had him sent off to Pilate to be killed. These are influential men. They're powerful men. And they, they're not above having people put to death. That's exactly what they did to Jesus. And so Peter and John are standing before them. I wonder how you'd feel standing in front of those two men. I'd be a little bit uh, intimidated, maybe a little bit scared. Jesus, who I'd followed for three years, has been put to death by these guys. And it's only about two months ago. So it's not as if this was years and years past. It's only a couple of months after Jesus had been, had been killed. And now these people are saying, you've got to stop doing this. They say, to, they say to Peter, by what power do you do this? Peter and John have a choice. They could say, well, it was Yahweh who did it and we give praise to Yahweh, or they could say what they actually thought, that it was about Jesus. Peter and John boldly stand up and say, oh, sorry, they say, that in verse 10 and 11, that it was Jesus. It was in the name of Jesus that this man was, was healed. And what's more, in verse 10 and 11, he says, he reminds them, just in case you guys have forgotten, that it was you guys who put him to death. It's your fault that he was killed which is a great way to win friends, influence people. Um, but as if that's not, more, not bad enough, they then go on to say, this is what I meant to put on, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Just imagine how that would come across to the leaders of the temple, the leaders of the Jewish faith. And Peter, this unschooled fisherman, is saying to them, this guy Jesus, whom you killed... He's the only way to be saved. It's not through you guys. It's not through your leadership or through your teaching. It's only through Jesus. You can imagine how excited they would have been to hear that, how positive they would hear that. But, but Peter and John are brave. God is speaking through them. Uh, and the religious leaders are cranky. But they're in a bit of a bind because everybody's seen what's happened here right on the doorstep of the temple. And so... They, they can't really do anything too much to reprimand them or to get them in trouble, but they also can't be seen to uh, be supporting them either. And so they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So they go, well, what do we do? So they say to Peter and John, they go back to them and say, look, just go and don't speak about this again or else. Remember again who this, who's speaking to them. These are the people who killed Jesus. What do you do if you're Peter and John? You've been given a chance, okay? You've, you've had your say, you've, you've, you've made your point, and now they say, right, now you're going to go. From now on, don't say anything about Jesus. If you were them, what would you say? Well, again, I think I might, well, I've, I've dipped my toe in the water, and perhaps, you know, 
I've, I've risked it by talking about Jesus being the only way to be saved. Maybe that's, that's good enough. Maybe they'll t- pay attention. I don't want to offend them too much or make too, much, too many waves. What do Peter and John say? Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or listen to him? As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Basically, they're saying, look, we don't care what you say. We're listening to God. You guys, although you claim to be speaking for God, are not speaking from God. We have a message from God, a mission from God that we've been sent on, and we cannot stop talking. You do what you have to do, but we're going to keep going no matter what. It's gutsy, isn't it? It's brave. I don't, I don't know that I could do that. I, think, uh, I look at this and I think, wow, how, how on earth could we do this? Well, the leaders are stuck. There's nothing much they can do, so they have to let them go. And that's the end of the story. It's a great story, as Mark pointed out. It is a great story. But what's it got to do with us? How does it help us on our mission? Well, I think there are four things that we can take away from this um, for us, and I hope you find these, these things helpful. And the first one is to realise that this is not the start, this is not the end of their problems. This is just the start. Because as you read, keep on going through the book of Acts, you'll find that this is not the end of um, the threats. It's not the end of the persecution. Throughout the book, you'll see them um, arrested, you'll see them flogged, you'll see them mugged, you'll see them mocked, you'll see them chased out of town, and much more. If you read 2 Corinthians 11 uh, from verse 23, you get a picture of what Paul went through for the faith. When you see um, our world, you look at our world, uh, and you think, wow, my goodness, there's so much persecution, there's so many terrible things. Those four pictures we saw at the beginning, they're so recent, aren't they? And it can feel to us like, well, this is a new thing. This is a heightened persecution that's happening. Well, let me tell you that actually that is not the case. That right from the very beginning, we have been, Christians have been suffering. And so the first thing to learn from this story is that suffering is to be expected. I could send you out on this mission saying, we're going to go and tell the world about Jesus and say, everything's going to be fantastic. Everyone will respond with faith. Everyone will think you're, you're fantastic and, and will want to come to your parties and all that kind of stuff. Whenever you invite, people will come. I could tell you that, but it wouldn't be true. We actually, I'm actually sending you out, and I'm going out with you, into a hostile world. And so we can actually expect opposition. And so it's, when you hear about these things, when you hear about uh, Christians in other countries being attacked or arrested or killed, when you hear about people in our own country working to get SRE out of school so we can't go in and teach scripture, when you, as I say, when you hear political commentators or comedians, when you watch Q&A, people mock, mocking Christians, we shouldn't be surprised. When your friends at work shun you because you, you go to church, or they, they, they uh, exclude you from their conversations, or the conversation stops when you walk in, don't be surprised. These things have always happened and will always happen. It doesn't mean that we're doing anything wrong. It's part of being a Christian in the world. And so it's important when we think about mission to go with our eyes open to the reality that we can expect persecution. And as we this year seek to reach out and we think about Easter Fest, uh, we can expect opposition. When we go into the schools to teach scripture, we can expect them to be oppositional. And you can expect people there not to want us to have us in, script, in schools. It shouldn't be too much of a surprise to us. So that's the first thing uh, that uh, 
persecution or suffering is to be expected for us. The second thing to learn from them, I think, is the disciples are given a chance in that meeting with the, with the religious leaders. They're given a chance to change their message. What do you say? By what message, by what power, by whose name do you, did you do these things? Now, Peter and John could have softened it. They could have said, well, it was Yahweh, because in, at one level that's true. Um, it was God, the Heavenly Father, who has healed these men. God is at work. And they could have softened it to get themselves out of trouble. But what did they do? They held firm. They stuck to their guns. They said, no, it was Jesus. And so one of the things I think we can learn from these guys is that we mustn't change our message. There's a temptation in this world for us to, to want to soften um, the gospel, to take out the bits that our world doesn't like. Messages about sin and judgment. Um, that, that we actually have to tell people that they're actually going the wrong direction. And we may feel, well, these are things that we should take out of our message because they don't sound good in the 21st century. Well, I want to encourage you that we must never change our message. The gospel is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't give in to the temptation uh, of, of changing that. There is no other name apart from Jesus through which people can be saved. Now, of course, um, keeping our message uh, true doesn't mean that we have the, uh, the right to be obnoxious. Uh, Peter, Peter in 1 Peter uh, 3 says that we should uh, share with gentleness and respect. And so, of course, we need to be sensitive about the way we share God's message. Uh, that's really important for us. Uh, but we should never change the content of our message. Our message is always and should always be about Jesus and about the salvation that comes through him. Now, that seems almost impossible, don't you reckon? It seems so hard to be able to do what Peter and John did. How can we proclaim that message in the face of this kind of opposition? Well, how is it that Peter and John are able to do it? Lynn, just I heard you saw your mouth. It. How is it? The Holy Spirit, that's right. If you notice there, um, in verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and he goes on to talk about um, how they say this, it's through the Holy Spirit. And so that's why it's so important to remember that when we go out to this mission and we go out to a hostile world, that we don't go alone, that God goes with us. And he will give us the words. He will give us the strength. He will give us the boldness to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. And so don't be afraid thinking, well, what happens when I get into that situation? I can't imagine standing up like Peter and John. We don't have to worry about that while we're here. God will be with us and he will give us the strength that we need. So recognise that suffering will come, opposition will come. But that in the face of that opposition, we mustn't give up. We mustn't stop. We mustn't change our message. But there's two other things that we have to help us in the face of this, this opposition. And there are two things that the, the, the story actually goes on to. So we stopped at verse 22, but the story doesn't end there. Because in verse, 20, verse 32, sorry, verse 23, um, this is what happens when they leave. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. What do they do? What's their first reaction when they're, they're, they're under pressure? Where do they go? They go, to it, they go to the church. They go to their fellow believers. They go, this is what's happened to us. 
You see, God has given us each other. We need each other. And so that's why last week's talk is so important, that as we go out into our world, again, we don't go alone. God's Spirit goes with us, but we have the church with us. You may have noticed, I don't know if you noticed, you came in, there's a big black board. Did anybody notice that? As you walked in, it's a bit hard to miss. Um, what is that board? It's, it's a, the sign-up sheets for Hub, but also for Easterfest that's coming up. Um, why do we have those things there? Well, we've got lots of jobs that need doing, uh, and so we, we, we need people to sign up because otherwise things won't work probably. Well, there's an element of that. But more importantly, it's because we're going out in mission. We're wanting to sh- spread the gospel to those, those, uh, those primary age kids, the infants' kids that come to Hub, but also to the seniors who come, to the, uh, to the men who come to the men's night, the women's come to the women's night, to the youth. We want to share the gospel with them. But we cannot do it alone. We need each other. The youth group leaders, for example, uh, we're going to be having a, an event on the Friday of the first week of uh, Easter Fest, uh, and we're hoping that the kids will bring lots of their friends uh, and the leaders will be interacting with the kids and trying to share the gospel and their faith with them. But there's going to be lots of other things that need to happen around that. How will that happen? Well, the leaders can't do it on their own. They need you. That's why, it's so imp- that's why during the Easter Fest, I, I try and encourage every person in the congregation to think, well, how can I be involved in this mission? F- for myself, to bring someone... So obviously you're the one who's going to share the gospel or to bring a friend to hear it, Uh, and that's important. We need to be involved in that way. But also, how can we be helping other people? You see, this mission is not just about the people I want to connect with, although it is, of course. It's also also the people that everyone here wants to connect with. So hopefully Bruce York will be bringing some friends. Stephen Taylor will bring some friends. Clem will bring some friends to things. When they come, they should be able to sit and, and to talk with their friends and to build the relationship uh, with their friends. They shouldn't have to be running around you know, preparing sandwiches or serving or those kind of things. We need, our, we need each other. And so one of the things we can do for each other is are practical things like that. So I hope that every person in here is able to help in some way. Now, you may not be able to lift tables or serve or make sandwiches, you may be able to, but everyone can pray at least, as, as Heather said earlier. We can all be involved. We need each other. We can help each other in practical ways. We can help each other by reminding each other of God's goodness, of God's promises. Uh, when we feel discouraged, when we're feeling under pressure, it, one of the reasons we come back to church is that we, can, we come here to be re-energised, to be refocused, to be reminded, uh, to be encouraged. So we can encourage each other with passages like James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, which says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness has, has, has its full effect, that you may be perfect <clears throat> and complete, lacking nothing. Or we might encourage each other with the words of 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to people. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Or we could encourage each other with Romans 8, verse 38 and 39. I am, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ in Jesus Christ our Lord. We can encourage each other. We can remind each other of God's promises. 
So we need each other. Oh, that was the third one. We need each other. Um, which, of course, leads us to the last thing that we can do it to it, with each other, um, and it's there in verse 24. Peter and John go back and tell everyone about what's happened. So what do they do together? Verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything is in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David, and so on. And they cry out to God, God, be with us. Verse 29, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant. They prayed. And when they prayed, verse 31, the place they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They come to God in prayer. It's so vital that we pray for one another. Last week, one of the things David talked about uh, was prayer triplets. And we've, we've begun those in our, prayer, in our growth groups. Um, prayer triplets are a way for us, for t- just two or three people to get together, or three or four people to get together, and just to pray about the mission. Not just Easterfest mission, but the mission, the gospel mission to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. And it's a way that we can help and encourage each other. And that's something all of us can do. And so that's why in the coming weeks, David and I will be ringing people who aren't in growth groups to ask if you're interested in being involved in the prayer, prayer triplet. And we hope that you can be. We hope that you'll see that this is an opportunity that you can, you can pray with others and for others. Now, of course, as David said last week, each group can do that in their own way. You don't have to be in the same room to pray. As Heather said earlier, you could be sitting at home and praying for each other. But just sharing with each other, knowing that you have each other's back, that as you go out to work with this uh, really antagonistic boss or whatever it might be, or when you're, um, you're going to, to meet with your school friends, as I did with my friends the other night, um, or when you're going to, to see people that you play sport with or your kids play sport with or whatever it might be, um, you can go there knowing that there are other people who are praying for you, that, that, that God can strengthen you through each other. We need to be deliberate, we need to be focused, we need to be faithful in praying for one another. So the fourth thing we need uh, is, like the disciples, is we need to pray. Yes, as we go out in this mission, it will be hard sometimes. And I don't want to um, try and lead you up the garden path and say, well, no, everything will be rosy, because it won't necessarily. It won't always be easy. But I guess forewarned is forearmed at one level, isn't it? If we know we'll come across these things... We know also that God has given us what we need to endure. He has given us his Holy Spirit. He is with us always. He has given us a message that is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. Paul writes, it's the gospel that will save people. It's not you know, whether people like me or not. It's not whether people think I'm a nice person or a nice Christian. It's the gospel. It's Jesus that we need to, inter- we need to introduce people to. And that's who we proclaim. So we have the Holy Spirit, we have the gospel that is God's power, we have each other, and we have the power of prayer. So as you go out into the mission field after the service, let me encourage you to go out encouraged, knowing that no matter what happens, God has your back, that we have your back, and that uh, we can always come to him for courage and strength and guidance. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for including us in this mission. It is exciting to think 
how excited, awesome it would be, Lord, to see people being saved, to see people becoming Christians. Father, what a privilege it is to be involved in the salvation of the world. Uh, Lord, we pray uh, as we go into this mission, we know that uh, it won't always be easy. You've told us, you've promised us. Jesus himself promised us that we will come against persecution. Lord, we pray that as we go out there, we're a little bit afraid. And so, Father, we pray that you give us courage. In the face of opposition, give us wisdom and strength, boldness, to stand up and to proclaim the message of Jesus so that those who hear might put their trust in him and believe. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.